Fulhamish is back for the season by Labrooks. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. It's the Fulhamish podcast. Your Fulham audio fix that's about as regular as a defeat at Goodison Park. My name's Sammy James, and in this show we'll reflect on Fulham's 22nd consecutive league defeat in the blue half of Merseyside as a second-half siege saw the Toffees conjure up a 3-0 victory. Here to work out what went wrong on Saturday, I'm joined by Farrell Monk. Howdy, partners. Ben Jarman. Hello, listeners. And Guy Barlow. Hello there. How are we all doing? Very well. How are you, Sammy? Yeah, good, thank you. It was a little bit of a testing day. Uh, up in Liverpool on Saturday, uh, guy. We were with you in the uh, in the I- numerous Irish bars uh, beforehand. It was a good day, sport by the ninety mi- minutes in the middle. Yeah, it was a it was a very enjoyable day. Um, nice old ground. My first time at Goodison. Yeah, likewise. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Apart from the football, <laughs> even the first forty-five minutes, you can narrow it down to just forty-five minutes, which ruined the whole day. Well, they, they do say don't let football get in the way of a good away day. Exactly. Well, uh, let's do some admin before the show starts. Uh, Jack isn't here today, uh, so Farrell Monk is taking over secretarial duties and has some three-word reviews for us. I do. Uh, Mark Stevens. We'll kick off with him. With championship is easier. I mean, yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue. Uh, Mark Walker with fine starting 11 and then finally Brendan Uliat apologies for murdering your surname but sticky toffee drubbing yay I quite like that yeah it's nice well done some good three word reviews today well done Uh, Fulhamish is back this season by Ladbrokes for exclusive specials and promotions head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk and a little bit of a plea please if you enjoy the podcast I'm normally on here uh wanging on asking for you to leave us a rating on apple or on facebook but actually got some very important business uh that we'd like you to perform uh the fsf awards are upcoming and we need some nominations for them so that we can you know get an award and it's a nice it's a nice evening out for us to be perfectly honest we don't ask too much of you but if you can vote for Fulhamish uh, and in the FSF awards just head to the FSF website which is the Football Supporters Federation um, head there uh, there's a nominations page and uh, you know feel like there's a, there's nominations for lots of categories such as writer of the year commentator of the year away day of the year but there are two categories in particular where we'd love a nomination the first one is pretty obvious club podcast of the year so there's there's two different podcast ones there's kind of normal podcast of the year which is you know the totally football shows guardian football weeklies not the top 20s of the world and then there's club podcast of the year so we're in the club podcast category there's also a new category this year called fan media of the year if you wouldn't mind voting for fulhamish in that as well um that would be hugely hugely appreciated so head to the fsf website and uh, please do that while you're on your on your train or on your plane or whatever you're up to today so let's look back at everton and it was an unfortunate 3-0 defeat um i thought we played really well in the first half i thought we were unlucky not to be in the lead uh, but it was a bit of a second half collapse. Let's start off with the lineup, though, Ben. Um, we did a predicted lineup uh, the day before the Everton game, and it's pretty much what we asked for. Yeah, it was pretty much bang on what we put out there, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I was a bit surprised to see Adoy continue, um, but I was, it was nice to see Ream back. Yeah. Um, after a lengthy absence, and he was a little bit ring rusty, shall we say? There was a few passes where you expected him to connect with someone, but ended up going out of play. 
Um, but yeah, it was a good solid lineup from Slav. And the, and the return, return of the 4 2 3 1. That you love and I don't like. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I thought that personally, Serian Gisa in the middle in that midfield duo looked looked really, really solid in the first half. And we're kind of just soaking up any Everton pressure and any Everton counter attacks that came our way. Yeah, I thought Anguissa looked very solid defensively. Um, I wasn't that surprised by Reem coming back in. You know, he was brought off after like 60 minutes of Millwall, wasn't he? So that, that was also a bit of an indicator. And I mean, Slav likes Adoy, whether we like it or not. But, you know, he hasn't been loyal to most of the championship players, but Reem and Adoy seem to be in his good books. I mean, Farrow, it was good to have a more solid start than the last two games. Uh, after two minutes, it was still nil-nil. Yeah, I was uh, breaking out of the party poppers <laughs> yeah. um, after night, uh, two minutes. I'm glad so. you put the word party in there, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> is it that kind of, po- that kind of party with uh, or that kind of podcast at the moment? You wanging it, as, as you said earlier as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so it was really good. And to be honest, like apart from the first sort of like five minutes where I thought we were thoroughly on the back foot, Everton were moving the ball around really, really well. Like some, just some one twos in midfield, which we just could not keep up with. Walcott was on fire, but then after that, the next sort of like the the, the remaining half an hour of the first half was pretty much all solidly Fulham, and even the 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 fans inside Goodison Park were really getting on the Evertonians' back. Um, you know, every time like Everton got the ball, won the ball back, and they. Fulham won it back pretty much straight away. Yeah. And we were controlling possession. We created, you know, one very good chance for Scherler, um, and then obviously the golden chance for Sessegnon. And we were just moving the ball around really, really well, full of confidence. And it was just unfortunate that we didn't get the goal that our play really did deserve. Um, not a great start, though, for Timothy Fossi-Mensa. Uh, he picked up an injury not too long into the game. Looked pretty serious as well. Looked like something around his shoulder. We still haven't really got any confirmation as to what that injury was. I don't know about you, Guy, but I was a bit surprised they made him go all the way around the pitch. He well, looked like he wanted to come off the most direct way to the tunnel and the referee kind of made him walk the long way. It seems all a little bit ridiculous. He was walking very slowly. He did start walking across the pitch. Yeah. But then he was turned back and the other <laughs> fans were booing as well because he was walking very slowly and it's a bit too early to be time-wasting. In like a kind of a mid-table game, I don't game, think he really. was. Was he time wasting? I thought he actually looked like he picked up quite a well, serious shoulder. That's injury. probably what the Everton fans were thinking. Yeah, but I mean, his replacement Christie was obviously very like for like, and he came on and he tried to be very physical with Richarlison. He got away with a foul, which could have been a yellow, and he did get booked like almost immediately after. But then it was it was Richarlison was in his back pocket for the second half, mm. but I didn't really know what. Christie's tactic was to come, come, come on and be so physical. Yeah, it was, it was really throwing himself into a lot of, a lot of challenges uh, to start off with and maybe he was given that instruction. And then once he got the yellow card, it was like, well, I've, I've, had, my, I've had my fill. And to, I thought, you know, if he keeps going this way, then we're going to, you know, be down to 10 men sooner Weirdly, rather than though, la- later. the yellow card seemed, after he got the yellow card, there wasn't too much danger from Richarlison. You'd have thought it would have worked the other way around and Richarlison would have really tried mm. to attack Christie and tempt him into challenges. I don't know if it maybe calmed Christie down because he thought okay I'm going to have to you know not be so aggressive otherwise I'm going to get sent off here and that tactic almost seemed to work better because we looked at him as a danger man going into this game and he didn't really provide too much danger though unfortunately there was fairly quite a few other players that did after about half an hour um, 35 minutes he seemed to pick up a knock and the the, the there were sort of it looked like he was going to get substituted at some point and then he got through into half time and you know, I thought that he was probably going to come off at half-time after being assessed. And he, he came back on and still seemed to be limping around quite a lot. And I thought, like, 
any moment now he's going to be taken off. And he was actually taken off what with 10 minutes to go. Bernard came on, who's who's looks incredibly bright as well. Yeah, Bernard got got the assist for the third goal, didn't he? But yeah, I mean, Rosalisson looked like he felt a bit for, sorry for himself, to be honest, after Christie ruff, ruffled him up. But it, it it was it was just bizarre. And I mean, Christie certainly made a mark on the game defensively, but not going forward, unfortunately. Ben, we'll be talking about plenty of negative points and the three goals that Fulham conceded in a moment. But that twenty-five to forty-five minute period, Fulham were on top. I don't think even the most ardent of Everton fans could deny that. There was some beautiful play in there as well. Lots of it didn't end up in chances. It was just good and neat interchange around the centre. Um, but of course, it did end up in two massive chances. The first one, as Farrell mentioned, fell to Scherler and the second one, uh, the huge, huge chance, fell to Sessegnon. But that 20 minutes gives me confidence that this Fulham team can really, really play at this level. If Fulham just need to capitalise on the periods of the game where they are on top and that's what I don't think we're doing at the moment because apart from the Man City game I feel like there's been periods in every game we've been on top we just haven't fully taken advantage of those well yeah as a whole we need to be more clinical on with our finishing and I think probably Sessegnon's finish there is an example of where we should be more clinical um, as you say Sammy there are periods in time where we looked more than capable of performing at a really really high standard at this level but it needs to be for longer than 25 minutes at a time and it needs to be longer for for example like 45 minutes in the one half and then we come out and then a couple of teams will make very small changes and Fulham are completely on the back foot again we need to be more mature we need to be more clinical and we need to be a little bit more streetwise to be honest with you I think this is also another prime example of Slav's you know, no, there's no other way to play apart from 90 minutes full on trying possession football, try and break the other team into submission. As we've seen from, you know, time and time again, Slav doesn't really have that game management in him where, you know, he thinks, okay, we're on the back foot here. Maybe we should try and sort of stifle it and frustrate the other team, you know, because every time we were trying to, we were trying to win the ball back at every single opportunity. We were then trying to find, like, get the ball forward quickly as possible. And it was just breaking down a lot of the time, especially in the towards the beginning of the second half and I think that's where sort of like Slav's weakness is if he has if he has one is the fact he has no game management and we couldn't really sort of I feel like change s- it up to, to to manage Everton a bit better I feel like sometimes our slow can be our play sorry can be very slow and quite lethargic at times there are times when we need to get it wider and higher quicker we need to take advantage of the spaces on the pitch that other teams leave us in the way that they do it to to Fulham and I think that we could do much better in wider wider areas. We could exploit them a, a lot better. And we did it very well against Burnley on the break quite often. But we haven't really seen it as a feature of our play since then. And it would be good to do it again against Arsenal, a team where we know that they push their fullbacks up quite high. And it would, be, it would have been nicer to see it happen a little bit more against Everton. Um, Guy, on to the Sessegnon chance beautiful play and uh, found Sessegnon in acres of space. He was just galloping into the six-yard box this time 12 months ago, Sessegnon scores that. Absolutely no doubt. That he'd have been the first player on the pitch, I'd want that chance to fall to as well. He seems to have lost that ruthlessness. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I agree, actually. I mean, um, that's probably the, the only chance I could think of he's had this whole season, really. Oh, apart from the one away at Spurs, maybe. Brighton. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> Sorry, the, guy. The, the, the one at Brighton, he manufactured for himself, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then, was good save, I'd say. But this one... He almost did everything right. He hit, the, he hit the underside of the bar. You know, it was it's fine margins, isn't it? Should have scored. Should have scored. I'm of course going to be. I'm going to. But yeah. then Vieto should have controlled it, and it should have never yeah, have reached yeah. us in the first place. I know it's devil's advocate, but it's like we say small margins every week on this podcast for the past six weeks. 
Like we need to be yeah. more clinical, full stop. And that's what Slav said after the game. I mean, yeah. Everton kind of had four chances if you include the penalty. Yeah. Scored three. We had three huge chances if you count the Vieto breakaway in the second yeah. half. Absolutely. But I just think Sessegnon definitely does score that last season. You can yeah. you can say you disagree, but he would have hit that low, true, bottom corner. He was just so cool. I power over placement this time. Yeah. Mm. What, what frust- what's a little bit frustrating for me at the time when it, when it happened... I was like, in the lead up to this goal, I was like, this move is unbelievable. There's, I, I looked at the 90 minutes on the website today and tried to count up how many passes there were. I think there was about 14 or 15 passes that led to that goal. And it was all just beautiful movement and like passing and movement that, that led to that chance. Um, and then literally just before that, we put together like a 40 pass move. Um, and that, that didn't le- quite lead to a chance, but, you know, uh, an Everton defender got like a, a touch on it, but then it broke down to us and then we fashioned that move from it. And, you know, if it was converted, it probably would have been talked about on Match of the Day for like 10 minutes about how good it was. Yeah. Sturridge might have taken a few more headlines, they're still taking the headlines, <laughs> but yeah, you'd, it, was a, it was a beautiful move and just so disappointing because I believe at that point, if you score with five minutes to go before half-time, you do have a completely different game on your hands, but we we can't keep coming on this podcast every week and talking about fine margins because it's okay to talk about it in one game. It's okay to talk about it in two games, but after six or seven games, the fine margins stop becoming fine margins to a point. There's obviously something a bit deeper here. Uh, Yeah, completely. Uh, They they will stack up to to a lot of lost, lost points over the season, and there are plenty of games where those fine margins could have turned into more positive re- results for Fulham. You look at, there's a number of fine margins that went past against Spurs. There were a couple of um, a couple of them against Watford and there were definitely some at Brighton. So we could have been two, three, four, five points better off yeah. if we'd been more clinical. But it'll come. I'm pretty sure it'll come. Um, then second half, it started weirdly with the penalty. I mean, in my eyes, I still cannot even fathom that that's it's a, a pen. penalty. Do you think it's a pen? Yeah. No way. Yeah. What? But better that that Bettinelli's getting that ball all day long, wherever. Yeah, but you can't push someone over in a box. So, <laughs> well, Farrell, you, you can be adjudicator here because I'm not having that. From penalty. from the from like the first angle that I saw it from, it was it, I just thought I can't believe that's been given. But then from the reverse angle, you see how far away Adoy is. Um, from playing the ball, he's so far away from the from the ball. He's literally just shoving a player out of the way who's nowhere near the no playing the ball. And regardless of where that's on the pitch, it's a foul. And the only reason why you can sort of like sh- you know get in way of the ball there, you 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 the ball's got to be in playing distance. You've got to shield the ball. You can't just like block someone off like that. And but, he, he but, did it. He but Cavalier is his... never getting to it. Yeah, he's, he's not, which makes it even more petulant, yeah. doesn't it? But yeah. that's still a foul, is it? Yeah, absolutely. It's not a foul. Yeah. It's, it is a it, foul. You know, I, I don't want to sound like, I don't know, a Sky Sports person, but an Sky old guy, person, about, but it's a contact sport, isn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Hello, your dad, 10 points. <laughs> shoulder barges mean shoulder barges. It, it's a contact. But the linesman gave it as well. The re- referee was fine with it. Yeah, yeah but, he had, but the linesman, like I said, he had the better view of it, of how far away it was from playing. The rules state that the ball has to be playing distance for a shoulder barge. The thing that really, really gets me is just the complete petulance of Adoy to do that when yeah. he knows that Calvert-Lewin isn't going to get the ball and Bettinelli's going to scoop it up. Yeah, but Why Cal- do it? Calvert-Lewin took a massive tumble, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Oh, but, but he was probably a, not. If you're a striker and you get touched in the box, you do it. Yeah. Mitro also, like, it. I don't think Calvert Lewin was expecting Adoy to completely shoulder barge him pretty much in the back. 
I mean, if you are a striker, you're going to take anything you can. I mean, Calvert-Lewin is actually... You did it against Fulham Focus, Sammy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Calvert-Lewin's renowned for that. Stick it past him and hope for contact. Because I actually think he's quite a limited striker and I don't know if he can do all that much more. I thought he was rubbish. He was rubbish the whole game. It's the only thing he did. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's very much kicking around. Well, anyway, we're going to have to agree to disagree on the penalty. Still not for me. But weirdly, how the miss seemed to give Everton impetus rather than the other way around. I thought at the time, I was like, that's a huge, huge moment. And I was, I think I was starting to believe, okay, this could be our day here because we've looked really good. We've got away with the penalty here and hopefully we can go on in this second half and, and really kick on. But just kind of after that, the five, ten minutes after, we just we seem to kind of crumble. I've always really rated Gilfie Sigurdsson and um, I think he's always kind of played below what he's... Sorry. Yeah, in kind of a way, because I yeah. think even when he went to Spurs, I thought he was kind of underselling himself, and they didn't really utilize him in his best position. No. And then he went to Everton. I thought, and it was like fifty million quid, and I was like, I, he's definitely worth every single penny. And then they kept on playing him out on the left hand side for like weird reasons. But um, he's got unbelievable quality, and he really showed it in that second half, and shows what a professional he is. That you know, in a really annoying moment where he misses a penalty, I mean, completely misses, like. He, yeah, it's not over- a save or anything. It's he, straight it's down the, the overside of the bar, not the underside, and it galvanised him as a player. And he, it, it was really, I'm going to make, I'm going to make amends for this. He was moving the ball about so beautifully, and he, his his goal in the build up, it was his pass that unlocks that channel down the right hand side, and he follows it in. He he was like, right, I sniff. I'm going to. His movement is great. His his touching. He's got one touch passes, left and right foot. And his finish was absolutely sublime. I mean, it reminds me of the goal that Lucas Moura scored against us to a little point. So not a good enough clearance really out of the box. And then Sigurdsson picks it up in the exact same position. And it's a beautiful curler into the bottom corner rather than the top corner that, that Lucas Moura found. But yeah, it's a wonderful finish. Not great defending, but a, a good finish for me above all else. Yeah, it's a wonderful finish. Absolutely wonderful finish. And it finds like a little postage stamp in the in the bottom corner. I don't think anyone was going to save that. We didn't have a chance, really. It I does mean, it does look worse when the goalkeeper doesn't dive, though. You know. Oh yeah, definitely. I would say it looks worse because we can't clear our lines. But I don't want you to fight me, guy. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> blaming a doy for that is unbelievably harsh. I think. Two <laughs> 0 um, though. This is when it really you know started to get a bit desperate for Fulham. Poor defending all around, and I just think there's three or four players at that point that have to do better. I actually think that I saw quite a few people on Saturday giving criticism to Bettinelli. I thought he was the the last player of, of the three or four that really deserves any criticism for that goal. The one I would lay criticism on, again, is Adoy, unfortunately. I don't think he had a particularly good game on Saturday. And the the second goal in particular was he he fell asleep. He, he lost, he completely lost cheek to us and... Um, I mean, it is good movement, but when you're actually, if you actually just watch Adoy the whole time, he kind of just keeps sidestepping towards the goal and just doesn't even look to see where his marker has gone. Um, and Cheek Tosson has done the right thing. He's peeled off his marker. Walcott's found him with a delicious, inviting cross. And once it once it gets to him, and it's just, you know, I think that Adoy should have done a hell of a lot better there because, I mean, he probably would have been, he probably would have, like, saw the ball loop over his head and gone like well no one's there and then all of a sudden he's actually thinking to himself there's no one with I'm not marking anyone there's no one within five yards of him and for a centre-back when there's only one strike on the pitch and you can see your other uh, centre-back partner going out to stop the cross 
I mean, what else is your job? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the initial pass was in between Reem and Brian from Kenny, which Cessnon didn't close down. So that goes back to what you said, Sammy, about pre- preventable at almost every single stage. And Reem didn't block the cross when arguably he should have done. Um, and Adoy went to cover the near post in case it went near post and it just went over his head. I mean, it was it was a good goal. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think you can blame any kind of defender for it, really. Really? I don't think so. Well, Christie didn't really sort of get tighter as well. Like He didn't seem to be marking anyone either. I mean, it is a great cross and it is a, you know... It, it's I actually think it's a bit of a lucky cross from Walker. I think he just swings a flipping leg at it. I mean, he gets it up and you can't and you can't knock it, but I don't think he's looking for Cenk and He's got to the byline and he has, he has only one option there and he's just put in a chip to the back post and he's hoped that someone's there. He ain't seen Cenk Tosin. Well, in a, in a, in, you know, it's a sort of, uh, that's what good wingers do. They they put the ball into they the right. It. They put it into the right area. And too many. T- just a point on this. Too many times our crosses were way over here. Yeah. Were completely over here. Also, we only had one corner, and shocker, it was diabolical. Oh my god, it was awful. <laughs> and there was about a three or four minute build up for it as well. Because I think they. I think it was just the Joe Bryan injury, and Cessignon and Aite debated the corner for ages, uh, and then just Aite just decided to hit it into the first man before the two nil is the Vieto miss chance. Great ball by Scherler, who I don't think had the best game, but he played the right option there. Vieto's bursting up the wing. I thought that Vieto was okay on Saturday. Still a little bit of a lack of end product for me, but that touch, absolutely criminal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to jump on a player for that overall play, for me it would be Vieto. I, th- I think he just gives the ball away so often. And I know I'm not, I'm not going to start getting the back of a player who's played fewer than 10 games for us. Um, unless that, you know, John Anarisa or someone like that. But <laughs> but Vieto, I don't know. I don't really see see what he's got. He hasn't got like a trick to beat someone. He's not strong. He's not, he's not quick. Like, but he's lightning. He's not lightning. He's lightning on short distances. Yeah, he's, I think what he he's, actually brings he, to the team is, are those short, those short bursts. And he does actually sort of... What he does is bring... Take pressure off the team in short um, and tight pressure situations. So there's one uh, that immediately swings to mind against Watford. The ball comes loose in the edge of our box and he goes to turn right and body faints Decore, I think it is, and he turns left and relieves all the pressure and plays the ball out to the wing. He's good at doing that, but I don't think he's incisive enough to, like as Guy says, to like really get at defenders and take them on and provide a valuable outlet to players. We need player with uh, that player probably should be Scherler. If anything. Yeah, we were talking about um, getting space on the wings, and one thing he does create is space on the wings because he drifts inside, yeah. and then it's good what, for an overlapping defender. Yeah, yeah, but Christie is not quite quick enough. He's not well. He's not Frederick's pace anyway to mm. to make the most of that. Fossumenta maybe is, but he did drift inside a lot, and I'd be interested to see how many touches of the ball he had. I'd be I'd, I'd be interested to see what your thoughts are on the balance of the team when he does that because I think when he done it against Brighton, he left us quite imbalanced a fair amount and. Down the left-hand side, you had Bong, and you had Knockart, and then you had a couple more out of midfield realised that there was loads of space, and they kept hitting that left wing in the opening 20, 25 minutes. Um, and we had nothing to counter it, because he'd just gone walkies. Yeah, I mean... And the one time he did have to defend against Brighton, he gave away a penalty. Yeah, and that was so naive. I could see that coming from about a mile away. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, is he, to use a cliche, is he a luxury player? 
that we that if you're if we are you know fighting to avoid relegation, you can't really afford to have, can you? But he, for me, I think he really opens up play, creates chances. I think his pace does frighten people, and for all you can say, oh, he's only quick over short distances. That chance that came to him on on Saturday that he missed came about because he was so rapid on the counter-attack and lots of other players wouldn't have been able to get into that position that he did. I just think he needs a goal. He's lacking a little bit of confidence and sometimes his end product isn't there. But he's bagged a few assists already. Yeah, really- I just, I really think that he's a good player That and that moment was a moment of madness and the touch and the end product isn't quite there. But I just don't think it's far away. No, I, I, I've, got, I've got to agree with you, Sammy. Um, I think that Vieto does bring some things to this team he is really he is really quick over those five you know five yard bursts he does come forward from the ball uh to the wards of the ball and passes and really um catches out um he doesn't hide no he doesn't yeah. he's always trying to be involved and he always wants it and he catches out defenders all the time and he finds those little pockets of space because he is so freaking quick and um you know I, th- I think he does bring a lot to this team i think he does fit into the style of play as well i'm not entirely sure whether his best position is left or right um, and he's been moved a bit pillar to post because trying to fit in everyone in the system it'd be it'll be really interesting to see what happens on 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 Sunday because I can't imagine he's going to leave Kenny on the bench on Sunday and whether he'll he'll move Vieto or Scherler around one interesting thing though uh after the miss well it wasn't a miss Pickford came and collected it and it was all fairly routine in the end was Jordan Pickford's weird kind of fist bump mm. after after the miss charge, he's like, yeah, uh, similar to his celebrations when he saved when he saved the penalty in the World Cup against Colombia. I was like, well, they've got the same kind of stature, you know. Well, yeah. same. I was like, well done, Jordan. But he hardly, it was hardly Gordon Banks' goalkeeper in there. I was, I was just found it all a bit odd. Well, I think that as if he saved a penalty it was two v one on the counter attack. I think if you're the goalkeeper, you're not thinking, oh bugger here goes our uh, yeah I guess goes our lead but you know maybe that was how it feels I maybe mean, he's as, very... as a goalkeeper how often do you get to like celebrate on the pitch well maybe he watches American football and he loves ce- celebrating like good defence good defence yeah <laughs> maybe he gets paid for a clean sheet maybe he gets clean sheet bonus and he's just announced that he's having a kid so, and he's got uh, a six year contract it's all it's all coming it's all, out Millhouse. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, let's quickly finalise our thoughts on Everton 3-0 I just felt like it was no surprise especially with the 10 men Brian uh, has picked up another hamstring injury Slav confirmed he's going to be out for a few weeks does seem to be a a little bit worrying how quickly he's picking up these these hamstring injuries. Maybe something that the medical team didn't spot or something that he's developed since he's been here. Speaking about people who didn't spot it, match of the day didn't spot that we were down to 10 men and didn't cover it at all. The fact that, oh, that Fulham seems to be uh, a lot of space now and uh, there you go, it's 3-0 and they're like, didn't cover the fact that <laughs> there was one less player on the, on the team yeah, for us. It, it, as soon as it went down to 10 men, you could kind of see it. It was like... Well, we, if if they get a chance here, we're going to concede because we're knackered. We're we're a bit low on morale, and Everton really could have scored at will once we were down to ten men. We were all over the place. We'd used all three substitutes. It was all just a bit of a mess, and I think that the players and fans just wanted the uh, the game to end pretty quickly. A few random thoughts, guys. Did you think that Goodison was really quiet? Like really quiet. Like I've been to some quiet, and also. If you live in glass houses, don't throw stones. But, I mean, it was just a bit odd. Yeah, I mean, and I thought we were quite good as well to, to combat that, Fulham fans. Yeah. I was kind of surprised, actually. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was quite 
this kind of main singing area was the opposite end to us, the Gladistry end. I, I mean, but, I think I heard them after the first goal. Yeah, and, 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 he, and barely then. Even then. But so maybe we were quite far away, <laughs> is, is, is the, the, the defence I'm trying to make for the Everton fans. But yeah, but yeah. Sometimes you can see people singing and you're like, okay, the noise just isn't reaching. But they just kind of all just, just sat there. I just found it a, a really strange atmosphere, especially when it's you know so, a stone's throw from Anfield, which has got probably the most famous atmosphere in the world. I just thought it was a, a little bit surprised. And I was a bit surprised. I thought that Goodison would have offered a bit more. But apparently people were telling me afterwards it's quite famously quiet. It was de- it's the closed corners. It's the river that's closed. Close by, you know, that's all sucking the. It's the wind. From oh the river. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all of those, isn't it's it? The old, it's the you know, ghost of the Michael Jackson statue. Yeah, and yeah, all of yeah. That. Um, final thoughts then from from all three of you. For me, the main thing to take out of the game is got to take your chances. And I think if you do take your chances, then that ends up being a completely different game. And I feel like if I had a pound for every time I've said that this season, I'd certainly have enough to buy you all a bit of food. <laughs> Lovely. A pound reduced sandwich at um Yeah, exactly. But your final thoughts on the game? Um I don't think it's as bad as some people have let out to be. I mean, uh, you, you you can easily look at a three 0 loss and and analyze it just on that, and I can understand that to a certain extent. But watching the game as a whole, I think Fulham gave them a massive run for money. Um I don't think it was a three nil game. A draw probably would have been a fairer, maybe not the most fair result. Um we did create three really good chances. And, you know, forget what the league table says. We were still fairly early on the season. Everton are an excellent team. They did splash out £40 million on one player. They splashed out £50 million on one player last season. And also Jordan Pickford. You know, they've got quality throughout. And for a large proportion of that game, Fulham were the much better team and probably should have gone into the break one or two nil up. For me, it's uh, consistency. Clinicalism. Is that a word? I don't know, but I like it. Bounce back ability. No. <laughs> Clinicalism will be a word now. Clinical um, edge. Catch and eclogism. Uh, and uh, naivety, yeah. I think, is, is nicely sums it up. And the fact that Everton have got a £40 million defender sitting on the bench hasn't mm. even made an appearance yet. You forgot to mention him, didn't you, Farrell? It's a top seven. It's a t- traditionally, it's a top seven team that yeah. has challenged for Champions League in, in mm. seasons gone by and a, a fairly regular in the Europa League we're going to have much easier trips we are on a difficult run of fixtures you'd have thought at first Guy that Watford was was an easy winnable fixture but you know they've turned out to be a bit of a surprise package this season so the way that fixtures have fallen hasn't given Fulham tons of chances to pick up points yet but uh, it doesn't get any easier no and you never know how many how much um, these records play on the players minds the fact that we have lost there 22 times in a row and, and whatever but, I mean, if we're honest, we weren't expecting anything, were we? <laughs> well, I wasn't anyway. No. I think it always is just, it's disappointing the way these sometimes these things happen, isn't it? And the fact that we were definitely in the game and we gave them a good challenge in that first half and then it, when it ended up being so disappointing. If it had, been, if it had been 2-0 goals in each half and we never had a chance, it maybe would have been a bit more easy to stomach. But the fact that we just did actually come quite close but ultimately fell very, very short, I think, for me. Yeah, and it and it just smacks of lack of Premier League experience. I think Palace did us one on the first day in that regards and Everton did us one in this game. You know, hold on till half time despite being the worst team and then come out and, you know, get going and win the game easily. And how many times did we do that to other teams last season that were a lower stature than us? countless times where we didn't start that great and then our Mil- champ- 
our championship experience told and and we came out and won, and won the game. So, no wall last season. Yeah. Arsenal this Sunday. What a game. <laughs> Let's hope. Right, after the break, uh, we've got a load of questions uh, and also a, a great Carabao Cup draw to talk about. Hello, I am Brad Hangeland and when I'm not rubbing my thigh with cheese, I'm listening to the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Ben Jarman, Farrell Monk and Guy Barlow. Uh, so Farrell has got the post bag uh, ready and waiting uh, to go in just a few seconds. Um, just a reminder, make sure you subscribe to the Fulhamish YouTube channel. Uh, Jack Kelly's fan cams from after the Everton game are up there right now. Uh, there's an On the Road, which I recorded today, which I know everyone's very disappointed by. It's not Bring quite, back Dave Preston. Yeah, it's not quite <laughs> Dave Preston levels, but uh, myself and Jack filmed it up to Goodison Park on Saturday, so that should be up either today or tomorrow, say Monday or Tuesday, so it shouldn't be too long for that, but make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Uh, just search for Fulhamish on YouTube. So, um, Carabao Cup, we've made it to the fourth round. It was looking like Fulham might enjoy a little bit of a cup run this year, and Guy, it looks like it's been cruelly cut short with an away trip to Manchester City. Yeah, quite. I mean, yeah, there's literally no hope, is there? <laughs> I'm struggling to see a single positive out of this draw. We've already been there this season, so there's not a novelty of going, you know, it's a Tuesday night away from home up north. I'd be surprised if we get even half what we took to the league game. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess it goes straight to penalties these days, so we, so we need to hold out for 90 minutes instead of 120. It's the only thing that... <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing that Man City will play a youth side, Ben, and therefore, they they? well, they might. I mean, they did they against might. Oxford. Well, they played Phil side, Foden. Youth side that had Ilkay Gundogan in it. I've butchered that name, Ilkay Gundogan. Oh, well, I just assumed it had quite, it had quite a few youth players it had in it. Brahim Diaz and Foden, two of the brightest stars in whole. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not knocking them. Sam, mate, their youth players are probably better than our first team, mate. Obviously, that's a massive reach. <laughs> <laughs> the one, okay, uh, let's let's put. A I'm trying to look, I'm trying really to look at the positives out of this. Their, the, their, I think the last youth team has Fabian Delph in it. It's an England international. <laughs> um, one one positive I can think of was uh, I think the last time we played Man City in the League Cup away, Gira scored an absolute worldie yes. from like a billion yards out. Mm. If anyone remembers that one, like yeah, a half brilliant goal. And I'm sure it counted for a lot. No, we yeah, lost we two one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it counted for nothing. Positive. One of the positives is you'll get to see all the players that can't make the Man City first team. Okay, yeah. Um, so they had Murich in goal. They had Gabriel Jesus up front. Yeah, youth teamer. <laughs> yeah, heard of him. they had Vincent Company in defence. They had Riyad Mahrez on, on the right wing. So yeah, it will be quite a strong team. Do you think, <laughs> think, think Fulham will go out there and play a first sight? Well, if we had have had a weaker draw, we might have played a weaker team a stronger team sorry because it would have been a nice distraction but now we've got the one of the best teams in the world and the best coach in the world probably not well it was an all round good day then on Saturday uh, I think that uh, sums that up Farrell Jack handed you the post bag earlier today at a secret undisclosed location uh, what's been coming in so yeah we met up at the Shamrock Bar in Chiswick oh sorry um, <laughs> so yeah uh, at Cottage Boy 1, uh, next five Premier League games, Arsenal, Cardiff, Bournemouth, Huddersfield, Liverpool. What is the minimum points needed to keep fans from panicking? Or what are your projections? Well, I spoke on the train 
to a couple of Fulham fans and we were talking about those middle three, Cardiff, Bournemouth, Huddersfield. And I think we all kind of concluded that Fulham are going to need seven out of nine points there. When yeah. you look at the games around it and there isn't really another easy run of fixtures coming up until maybe December, then you just that that run of three games, I know there's two away games in there which will make it difficult because they'll be targeting those as three points as well, but I think you really need to get seven out of those and then for me Arsenal and how does uh, sorry Arsenal and Liverpool are just you can't expect anything out of a game against a top six side. Arsenal you can hope for a point because they're not quite as strong as they used to be, but it's still a very, very difficult task to get anything out of the Arsenal game. We're not going to be going into his favourites. So those three middle games are really picking up some importance. Guy, what do you think? Um, I really think it's written in the stars. We're going to give Cardiff their first win and then we're going to give Huddersfield their first win as well, <laughs> two weeks later. <laughs> I think that is almost certainly what's going to happen. But we can't allow that to happen. That's that's real dangerous territory if if we... Give them we, we gave Sunderland their, first, their only win of 2017 at home. I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing we do. <laughs> Just, well, it, it kind of sounds like that we're going to then, you know, stop Arsenal's run and then lose at Cardiff, perhaps. We never stop runs, though. <laughs> we, we, we only start them. <laughs> or be a footnote in one, <laughs> you know. I don't know. But no, in all seriousness, they are very important games. And we should target those away games as the, perhaps the only two we might win this season as well. So I, I reckon get down there if you can. Um, I think we should be looking at six or seven points and those middle three yeah, are, are crucial. I can't add any more to that. So like any less than that, do you think we'll, we'll start panicking? I think if some of the people will start panicking. Um, I personally won't because I think we'll have enough over the, over the rest of the season to pick up the desired points. I think this year the gap in quality between sort of like top 10 and bottom 10 will be, will be bigger than usual. I think that you could probably escape relegation with probably about 35 points. Looking at the the quality of this team, uh, Colin Bugler, sorry if I've ruined that as well. Uh, if it's Irish, we'll need to ask Jack because he's Irish. Yeah, maybe I'm doing it wrong. We get quite a lot of questions from Colin and, uh, and Jack has never piped up with how to pronounce it. <laughs> and uh, Jack's normally the one asking the questions. Yeah, that's true actually. Uh, so yes, thank you, uh, Mr. Bugler, for your question. Which is, uh, <laughs> which midfielders, in your opinion, don't fit well into Slav's formation? You can you can include Scherler or v- and Vieta if, if you wish. I don't think Scherler fits into this system terribly well. I feel like I'm constantly on on Scherler's case, but for me, I just don't think he's been um, impressing that much he used to play so well in that Chelsea system when he used to play out wide but certainly I'm not 100% sure trying to play him down the middle really worked a treat when he was being played down the middle on on Saturday so for me I'm just not 100% sure Scherler is fitting into this completely I think like he's a lovely name uh, he's a lovely player a luxury player to have in this team but does he fit naturally into Slav's perfect system I'm not 100% sure he does I feel like sometimes he's a little bit of a square peg in a round hole he will do the sublime on, on many occasions this, this season because he's, of course he's someone that's back, packed with talent but is he an absolute definite fit into Slav's system I don't think so well out of all all the midfielders um, he's just one that sprung to mind when you asked the question to be perfectly honest Guy who do you think well, when we asked the question off air, what did Ben say? <laughs> he said none of them 
fit in Slav's system. No, I was only joking. <laughs> <laughs> that, was off, that was off the record. Yeah, ben, ben actually said off the record. <laughs> First rule of Fulhamish is that you don't say stuff that's been off the record. It wasn't off the air. record. <laughs> um, no, I think obviously we're getting the most out of uh, the most important midfielders there. Obviously, Seri is, is the one we're getting the most out of at the moment. Everything is going through him. I actually agree with Sammy. I do think Charlotte is probably the one that we're struggling to fit in the most because we don't know whether to play him on the left side or the right side or through the middle. If we play him left, we can't play Cess. If we play right, do we get the best out of him? And then in the middle, he doesn't look as effective. It would be nice to see if he could pair up with Mitrovic maybe in the two and see how he gets on there. I think that's how we tried to finish the game on Saturday, actually. Um, maybe for the last 10. But we yeah, didn't... the match of the day had a stand as a 4-4-2 for quite a while. Really? Whoever's mm. the research for match of the day at the weekend was having a nightmare. Must have been Gough Crooks. <laughs> <laughs> any, other, any other suggestions apart from Scherler? Guy's a massive fan of Vieto. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think is uh, probably just a slightly better Piazon, if I'm honest. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of time for Lucas Piazon, so I'm, I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, um, there's a quick one here. Adoya Bellerin, who's the biggest hipster... Uh, football hipster this weekend I'm going to overall and say it's Ben Jarman will be there this weekend <laughs> um, if only I was as hipster of both those it's definitely Bayern by the way that was from he's been uh, on the cover of Mondial magazine and Odoi hasn't that was Weekly Geekly by the way cheers um, Weekly Geekly um, and at last one um, reaching into the bottom which has had one in Fulham for life Ali just Ali is how did Cessnion not get into the 40-man shortlist for the Golden Boy? And I won't read out the last bit because it's the family pod. Well, Ali, I can tell you that the reason that Cessnion isn't in the Golden Boy nomination is that firstly, he has to play in the top tier of the nation's um, perspective um, league. So obviously Cessnion didn't play in the Premier League until seven weeks ago or just over seven weeks ago. Um, secondly, it has to be given to him, voted by journalists, um, so obviously he wouldn't have received any votes because he's not eligible. Um, but we could see him next year. I'll give you a point uh, to say that you've listened to this game. If you can listen to this question, if you can tell me who won the first ever Golden Boy Award back in Wayne, 2003. Wayne Rooney? No. 2000, it's, it's not for you guys to answer. It's for Ali to answer. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, I didn't realise. I thought it was a game in the studio. Farrell was getting ready for quiz time. He was like, yes. Finally, something that I like. There was, was a Collins golden, John. There was a golden boy that played for Swansea last year. Uh, Renato Sanchez? It was, yeah. He was terrible for Swansea, wasn't he? He's doing all right. Though, he's, he's, he's scored, right again, he scored a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? In the Champions he's League. Doing, he's yeah. doing all right under Niko Kovac, you know. Right, final question, Farrell. What are you going for? All right, one more. Uh, Richard Bamba. And this is a good one, actually. Oh, Captain Zink, yeah. No relation to Sol Bamba. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look at his profile picture. <laughs> No, we'll no, disown he... him if he's related to Sol Bamba. <laughs> uh, defence for Sunday, bearing in mind Chambers can't face his parent club and with recent injuries. I'll throw this to Ben first. Jarman's going to go with a 5-3-2 <laughs> formation. So my back line would be Bettinelli, Sassignon uh, left wing back, then we'd have Mawson, Ream, and even though I gave him a lot of slack... Jallo. <laughs> if only. I forgot he existed. <laughs> oh. Then it's a doy. And then at right back, we'll have Cyrus Christie. Guy. Maxime Le Marchand's never getting in any of my lineups after those two hideous performances, by the way. 
but he has got a good song. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, very similar, except I play four and just not have Mawson. <laughs> so the same back, back four. Oh, no, sorry. The same sense about pairing as last week. Yeah. So who's left back? Sess. I'm going for Sess, Ream, Mawson, Christie. I'm still quite confident about Mawson. I still think he's got plenty to offer. We got an email um, a couple of weeks ago. From Mawson? Yeah, no, from Alfie Mawson saying, stop knocking me on the podcast. Yeah, no. Guy Barlow. Stop doing <laughs> that. Someone, someone emailed us to say that they think Alfie Mawson's our blind spot and they think that he's been really poor since since he got here and that you know we're really quick to give Callum Chambers criticism but but not Alfie Mawson, um, which is kind of a bit of a fair point. We are quite quick to jump on the Callum Chambers bandwagon, but uh, I do think that Alfie Mawson has more to offer us long term. The small Callum Chambers bandwagon, was it? Callum Chambers bandwagon or an Alfie Mawson bandwagon? Well, as in we were more getting on Callum Chambers' case quite mm. quickly. But I, I, I mean, I do think that there are there are they are pretty good centre backs. I think I think Callum Chambers is is okay and he's got potential to get better in this team. And Mawson has got undoubted potential, and I do think it will it will come to him. He obviously just had a really really awful game against in the first half against Watford, but. Uh, you know, I, I, but, you know, this guy that emailed us, sorry, I've forgotten his name, um, was saying that he thinks Mawson was worse than Chambers in that it, first half. Is it from yes. Maxime Lamarche? It may be. Um, but anyway, uh, that's that's what I'd go with as my back four. Yeah, for, I think uh, I think I would. I've, I've I've got to say, I think we should still stick with a with a back four. I think we do play better and it utilizes our our attacking options a bit better if we if if we're in a four. Um, so who would you go with? I would go with Cess, Reem. Mawson, Christie. I, I do like Adoy, and I've talked about how much Adoy brings to this team. He is a good footballing centre back, but I don't think the combination of Ream and Adoy at centre back is strong enough. Just yeah, wise, I think that. potentially. But you know, if Adoy ends up starting on at, at centre back on Sunday, I won't be too disappointed. No, no but can Mawson even play right centre back? Two uh, left and, and defenders there, isn't there? Yeah. Would you say the same thing if it was two right-footed centre backs? More than the fact that Mawson's played there his whole career. True that. But he's young and he can adapt. <laughs> what, what if he can't? <laughs> but just by and by, I would agree with that email that Mawson was far worse in the Watford game. I mean, he was booked as well. You know, he, he had a. I understood why he got substituted, and the booking yeah. thing was very important. Actually, I think for Slav's thinking, actually, was quite intelligent, really. And obviously, we were all calling for Chambers at halftime, but I just think Mawson's got more to offer us. Plus, plus, if we're going to play one or the other, I'd still rather play our player. Rather than developing alone. another another club's player, if, if I'm being truly honest. All right, thank you very much for your questions this week. Appreciate it as always. Keep them coming in, and uh, remember to give that post bag back to Jack in a good time. Okay. Oh God. All right. You have to give him a rendezvous and everything. I'm going to leave him some terrible notes. Fair enough. And some poems. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to the podcast this week. Maybe not the most positive listen. And uh, Fulham are definitely learning some lessons in the Premier League so far. Not the start we all dreamed of, but hopefully uh, we can record a famous win against Arsenal and turn it all around our way on Sunday. Fulhamish Extra will return on Thursday morning. We'll be looking ahead to that Arsenal game, uh, which is on Sunday at midday. We'll be talking to Dave Seeger to get a little bit of an opposition for you and very exciting we've got an interview with Collins John coming up 
Um, so myself, Ben, Farrell and Guy caught up with Collins on the phone. And uh, yeah, we spoke about uh, his thoughts on Fulham this season and also his career at Fulham as well. Uh, he's a really well-spoken guy, really, really lovely as well. We enjoyed chatting to him. So you'll hear that on Thursday's Fulhamish Extra. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast and that will drop first thing on Thursday morning. We need to name the podcast today. Sticky um, Toffee. Well, there we go. I was going to ask Farrell Monk, but Ben Jarman's I'd throw my vo- you. I'd throw my voice so well. <laughs> Farrell cracks under pressure like Dennis Adoy. Can't steal someone else's, can we? Yeah, we always do. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Do you think <laughs> creating our content is dead? We always just steal others. Yeah, we just steal the three-word reviews most weeks. Okay, so we're going with Sticky Toffee. We're going with the actual three-word review, which was Sticky Toffee Drubbing. Farrell, this, is your, this is your choice. Um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with that. Sticky Toffee Drubbing. There we go. So, as I said, Fulhamish will return on Thursday. Just need to thank my guests, Ben Jarman. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks, Farrell. Chen Kui. Thank you, Guy. Thank you, Sammy. Good to see you as always. And Fulhamish will return on Thursday. Have a good few days. See you later. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby! A podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. A cash recommends. recommends.